0: you what's up
1: i just ate a really big delicious salad so i am not too hangry coming to this podcast recording so should be a good one
0: i wasn't expecting that response at all where are you are you at home
1: i'm at home i got one of my many bookshelves over my my left shoulder Uh, i'm just at home and the only reason i'm home is because i couldn't make it back to the office in time to record from the studio so and i had to eat so must
0: be nice to finally been home. You've been traveling like a madman.
1: I've been around, I've been around, and I'm I'm in Denver for all of November, so that's going to be exciting.
0: That's very exciting. Uh, and to you, what else is exciting? We got a guest with us tonight, David Newman from RX Smart Gear. Dave, how are you? I'm great, guys. Really good. I'm
2: pleasure to pleasure to hang out with you guys.
0: So, Dave, I literally just got off a podcast with uh, Sean and Tommy on Talking Elite Fitness. And so now I'm doing back-to-back episodes with beautiful bald men. So this is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good for me. I like this. makes me feel good about myself. Um, there you go. Hey, before we get started, I'm going to do some influencing, if you guys don't mind. We're going to talk about our sponsor. Come on, Ben, let's do some influencing. Uh, you Your can. Sponsors? Yeah, you finally got to see some You Can in the flesh down in, uh, down in Austin. I did.
1: I still I still need them to send me a big care package. I know they're having trouble keeping things in stock cuz we keep talking it up so much.
0: Well, that's a good problem for them to have, I guess. I've been using it like crazy the last week. So when I got back, I decided I was uh you know, I didn't do a lot of fitness when I was watching fitness in Austin. <laughs> so I came back and decided I would do a lot of fitness and I've been hammering that stuff, particularly the energy bars, uh, which are great. Like really I so- used one I used one this morning, actually, when I went to work, I was starving and I'm like, I'm not going to eat lunch till one. And I got to get by between eight o'clock and one o'clock.
1: And I'm amazed you have any of those left. I eat all of them in the first two days. Oh, no. Well, they,
0: they like me better than they like you.
1: So they sent me a lot lot more or I just eat more.
0: No, they sent me a lot of boxes. I have a lot Mm. of boxes and I keep one in my bag at all times for emergencies. And so I used my emergency bar today and it got me through to one o'clock and I kept my constant stream of energy and it was great. So if all of you guys need an emergency bar, UCAN is the place to go, uh, ucan.co. And these are our code, which is scale, and you'll save 20%. On your so I to- have
1: a little piece of uh, anecdotal evidence here is, um, I guess no evidence, but something I've been doing recently is obviously I'm back in Denver. That means copious amounts of mountain biking. Correct. And um, in the morning, because a lot of times we are going early in the morning, I usually have like a pre-workout or something like that as opposed to just black coffee. Like before a workout, I'll have a little bit more, have my actual pre-workout with my beta alanine and creatine, yada, yada, yada. Well, I just randomly on a whim the other day, decided to mix in the, the, basically the bucket of carbs that they sent me as opposed to eating like, you know, oatmeal or something like that. I was like, let's just try like a scoop and a half of this stuff. So it's like 30, 40 grams of carbs. Um, the super starch, and I was like, "Let's try mixing that with pre workout, and it's either going to cause extreme gastrointestinal issues or it's going to be great." It was great. It tasted incredible. Um, it was the orange flavor, and that combined with my pre workout stimulants, whew, it was a good, good ride. So I, that was, I'm impressed that,
0: was- that you took that gamble though, out on a bike, bouncing around, worried about my what happened to your stomach. That's a, I'm a that's risky. A I'm a
1: risky guy. I'm a risky guy. Our life is you, you got to take risks sometimes and it paid off. It was a great ride.
0: I've had no problems with them in that regard. Like literally none, like no gastro problems. Like for me, they're super easy to eat. And, uh, you know, as long as I, you know, of course I don't usually eat anything too close to a workout, but I use for these, they're usually about 20 minutes before 20 to 30 before. And it's perfect for me. Sweet. Perfect. Dave, you're kind of old like me. Have you ever used, you can before a workout?
2: I have not. I can't, I can't say, um, I'm not a big supplement guy. You know, I, I used to be back when I was trying to compete, uh, CrossFit, but, um, now I try and go au natural actually, and just, you know, do my best getting it from, uh, you know, veggies and meat and whatnot. Yeah. See, that's, that's me
0: typically. Like, I don't like like this, there's no stimulants to this, which is what I like about it, to be honest. Like I'm kind of out of commercial mode at this point, but, um, like I get, I got so fed up as a masters athlete taking stimulants that would get me all jittery and give me that like ants crawling on your skin feeling. Well, yeah, and that's a great feeling. Don't get me wrong. But like you know, as you get older, and I think Dave, I think you're younger than me for the record. But as you get older, like I don't you know, think I, so. We'll we'll compare IDs later. But we'll just uh,
1: agree that he's aging better than you
0: are. You are aging better than me. We'll leave it at that. I
2: don't know about that either. But <laughs> well. Thank you.
0: Well, regardless, I don't know. I found as I get older, like I have to focus harder on everything. Like sleep's harder to get, recovery's harder to get, and so I started cutting out things that were really bothering me. And like those, like kind of heavy stimulus pre workouts were one of them. And you can fill in that spot for me because it's just steady energy. There's no like, you know, it, I don't take it and think, all right, I got to work out right now because my skin's on fire, you know, but. <laughs> Anyway, enough, enough about you can everybody go buy some you scale when you uh, cash out and you get 20%. And rumor has it, our our title sponsors giving us a discount soon. So everybody- take off my
1: shoes. Here's a product placement. I'll yes. just hold them here for the rest for the eight people who watch from YouTube. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I messaged innovate and was like, guys, we need a code or something because a lot of people are wanting these shoes and we need to give them a discount. So Go to innovate, use the code scale, and it's a believe a ten percent discount, which is which is solid when you're paying for shoes.
0: For the record, I don't think that code is set up yet. Is it set they up? They told
1: me it'd be ready.
0: Okay. Well, if it doesn't work tomorrow, wait till Wednesday.
1: Regardless. Take a, big, take a big risk. Try it out. Don't live your life with regret. All right. Well
2: innovates are innovates are great. Those are the those are the first uh first real CrossFit shoe that I'm aware of back in 0, yeah, 07, the blue 08. ones were yours the blue ones uh yeah blue they had blue red uh black obviously the the 190s back in the yeah, day
0: yeah. oh yeah
2: i think didn't all three of us climbs. had them didn't hold up to rope climbs but uh they, <laughs> were, they were they were great for everything else they fixed that problem <laughs> oh yeah yeah they're, they're much better now for sure yeah
0: love them yeah so you're an og
2: dave so how long how long have you been kind of in this world uh i've been crossfitting over 13 years um 13 and a half years or so. Started back in early 08. Wow. Where uh, where was your first gym? uh, First and only gym, still there. It's uh, CrossFit East County out here in uh, San Diego, uh, owned by Paul Flores. And, uh, you know, Paul was a uh, long time, I don't know, 10 or 15 year fitness trainer, personal fitness trainer, Uh, you know, former athlete, you know, college football, triathlete, all those things. And then I became a, a personal trainer and then you know, around 07, he, like a lot of those early stories, you know, one of his buddies is like, hey, check out this video on YouTube, right? And it was somebody doing one of the crossfit, early CrossFit workouts. And so, he went down the rabbit hole and just hook, line, and sinker and, you know, got rid of everything. Got rid of his Smith machine, got rid of treadmills, you know, elliptical, whatever was, you know, in the gym at the time and um, converted his little studio to a, a CrossFit gym. And so, he, he affiliated in uh, late 07, Um and uh yeah, and he was actually Paul, he's not a he's not a a big rah-rah look at me guy, but he uh I always like to brag about him, you know. He's just he's a very good friend and he um uh was the first class of masters athletes at the CrossFit Games in 2010 and got on the podium. He took third that year um in 2010 as a 50 year old. Um and uh and a little shout out to him, like we're super stoked. He actually just super healthy guy. Um, sometimes you can't out, outrun genetics, but he just got out of quadruple bypass surgery about two hours ago. Oh, wow. So Actually, I'm getting texts right now from our gym mates, you know, asking like, Hey, how's Paul? How's it going? Which he, uh, went through with flying colors cause he's super healthy, eats well, doesn't drink, uh, exercise all the time. But, you know, genetics sometimes, you know, can uh, play a big part in that. So
0: that, yeah. Was, yeah. Do you,
2: do you remember your first CrossFit workout? I do, I absolutely do, yeah, I mean it, it was just uh you know it was a home it was a homegrown workout, you know, uh, three different couplets, three different couplets, all you know pretty pretty easy. Um, yeah, I threw it my first workout, uh yeah, my buddy that you know tried to get me to come to CrossFit for about six months, and I kept blowing them off because I was, I was pretty horribly out of shape and sedentary, um, and uh finally finally dragged me in there at five a.m and did these had to scale these three couplets um super easy stuff you know burpees and it was like a twenty one fifteen nine format for three couplets. you just rotate through each one and uh burpees and box jumps uh obviously had to scale the box jumps and do shorter box jumps um, pull ups and what was the other pull ups and kettlebell swing i can't remember the couplet but, um they were all relatively easy and it i mean yeah, it uh, crushed me. I went outside and threw up. You know, so same, brother, same. You and you and Ben both, and I got
0: real close. I didn't puke. I'm still puke free, but I got real close on my first one. Do you, have you ever gone back and redone any of your first workouts and realized in retrospect, like how easy they feel now versus <laughs> just to get that like oh. sense of accomplishment?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't remember how many years after, because um, I started CrossFit when I was uh, I was. 39, um, almost 40 and, uh, um, yeah. And, and horribly out of shape, 35 pounds overweight. And so, yeah, I went back, you know, it, you know, that first year was a big growth curve as far as like losing weight, getting strong, learn, you know, getting better at movements. Yeah. we went back and we did it, I don't know, a couple years later. And I remember the f- first time i did it, i had to scale pretty much everything right um you know jumping pull-ups uh lower kettlebell weight lower box you know the only thing i didn't scale was, was burpees but i could barely get off the ground um but went back and did it rx in literally half the time like from like 29 30 minutes to like 13 minutes something like that yeah i yeah.
1: love the fact that you you've mentioned a couple times now like you had to scale early on you know you were in your own words like horribly out of shape um and had to scale everything but yep. i i think that's just it's just a testament to like how many people out there are trying to bug their friends or, or maybe in your case like you were the one being bugged to go into the gym and like not thinking you were ready for it but then when you get into a good crossfit gym uh you get presented this this infinitely scalable exercise routine and a good coach you'll be able to identify a, a beginner identify someone who needs to scale And like you said, scale down the box jumps, scale down the pull-ups, to jumping pull-ups, like modify the workout. So you still get, you know, quote unquote crushed in a good way. You get the stimulus, but but you don't have to sit there and just flounder while other people are doing the movements, you know, that you can't do. You get, you get to keep up with them, uh, with scaled movements. And that's just, and that's the beauty of, of what this is. It's like you, you know, back in old school San Diego, man, you were probably throwing down with some of the original, like really good CrossFitters. Like that was like the epicenter back in the day, especially. So you were probably around like people who had been doing it already for quite some time and you were able to join a class right with them and hit it, you know, and get the same stimulus. I love that. I love that. Yeah,
2: no, for sure. You hit on the head. You know, the funny thing about that growth curve is, you know, scaling at the beginning of your journey, just because it's all new, new movements, right. Um, new exercises, Uh, not you know not conditioned for them yet so scaling out of necessity there and then you know for me i was on the competitive track like i you know really got into competing and and pushing myself and and that was before they had a master's category so i was in my 40s you know still qualifying to regionals back in the early day um and so uh you know then obviously you're 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 training like a madman um and then you know now i'm i'm 52 john so at fifty-two, where are you at? I never made regionals. That's all I heard. Now. No, I so, age. Your so. <laughs> <That's laughs> age.
0: That's all I heard. I'm fifty-one, so you're older than me, but you look I younger. So that
1: Dang, it. dude, he is Dang. aging well. He is almost
2: fifty-three. Anyway, but thank yeah. you. Uh, thank my mother. Um, but no, the funny thing is now, since I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so far, you know, beyond even like wanting to compete, and I scale infinitely now. Like for me. I scale every day I'll look at a workout and I'll know I know how it'll affect me. I know if the load is is just you know load that I don't feel like straining under, or if I know my my technique is really gonna get out of whack. Um, or if the if the rep scheme, you know, like you know, anything, any repetitive movement over 50 reps, I know I'm gonna be sore. So I'll gauge that and I'll I'll scale it in a heartbeat. I have, you know, no ego about that whatsoever because for me, I just I wanna stay healthy. I want to look good, feel good and uh you know I want to I want to enjoy life, right? So that that's what it's all about for me now. But. I love
1: the transition from the the competitive days. Like I think it that that transition is difficult for a lot of people who like they want to hang on to the competition. And like I'm I'm there, you know, like still when I go to any gym, it's like I want to win. Right? Like that's like it, it kicks in because I know I could at some point. Can I now? Normally, no. But, like, I I still have that, like, bit of, like, like I guess it's ego just, like, wanting to, like, go in and compete and win. But the fact that you're able to take, like, your ex-regional caliber athlete and, like, and just transition and be like, hey, I'm here for health and I have absolutely no problem scaling. It's just me versus me in there and I want to be in here for life. That's something that, um you know, I think as, as people approach master's age and, and keep aging up, that's, like, that's a, a really hard sit down for some people who, like, used to be maybe competitive, uh, and then transition to the, Hey, I, I, I just want to do this for the long term. So it's really cool that it seems like you're like very, very settled into that. Um, and the, hopefully I can handle that at some point.
2: <laughs> no, you, you, I'm sure you'll be able to, uh, it bums me out when I I've run into people who, uh, were uber competitive, like you were saying, and then when they, when they realize that, okay, I, I think I probably hit my, my peak, I'm not really going to get better at CrossFit, uh, at least as fast as I want to be uh, and get where I want to be now. And so when they take the competitive element out of it, they just quit CrossFit. They're mm-hmm. like, well, I, I can't do it unless I'm competing, you know? And so they stop doing it and that just really bums me out because it's just, a, it's such a fun way to, to exercise and, and enjoy the community and the camaraderie and, you know, uh, like-minded people getting healthy together. So, so hopefully you, you can make that leap.
1: Yeah. Well, I do do it because of all the fun sports I get to, play out in Colorado. So now it's, it's, it has transitioned to like now it's more for a fitness and just staying fit. So I can just hang with people out here. Um, but John, I know you have some thoughts on that.
0: Well, I, I was, I was thinking uh, something Dave said when he was mentioned how he scales, cause we get a lot of questions and I got one yesterday from someone asking, you know, when you're scaling, like, how do you prioritize it? And you mentioned kind of two or three things you look at Dave and, and they're kind of right in line with what Ben and I normally talk about. So when you're going into a workout and, you know, you look at it. Do you do you have a priority of what you're scaling going in? Like, uh, as an example, when I go in, there are a couple of movements I just will not do in a metcon. I would always scale them, but for me, it's almost always load. Like, I always start with load. I'm just not super strong, you know, and I know that's the part that's going to wreck me. Is there a part sure. for you that's a priority?
2: You know, honestly, um, it, it's it's just uh, listening to what my 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 body feels like and and my 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 mental capacity for that day. Right. Like uh, the one thing that um, the one thing that I learned from Paul, our our, our coach and owner of, of Crossviews County is uh, that, you know, when, one day he sat us down a long time ago and just said, look, you're not going to have a hundred percent to give every time you come in the gym, you might only have 70%, you know, just because rough day at work, kids, whatever it might be. So whatever you have, just give a hundred percent of that. Right. So I, I really take that to heart. Like that, that lesson is stuck with me. So, you know, when I, when I go to the gym, uh, it's really gauged on how I feel that day um, and, and just looking at the workout and there are days where, you know, um, things look like they might be wheelhouse type movements and I'm feeling good and chipper. And I'm like, you know, I want to see if I can put a good time up and get the, get the young kids to, to chase it down kind of be their rabbit which they always do they always do chase it down but uh um so you know that happens um you know quite often uh but definitely not every day and then some days I just want to get sweaty and move um so yeah it 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 really um you know really I mean today for example uh we all like we're all a bunch of us are pitching in and coaching covering classes for for Paul our, our owner while he's recovering and uh so we programmed a workout for him and we called it quadruple bypass And, um, uh, it had a lot of fours in it, you know, so 400 meter run, four bar muscle ups, and then 40 reps of, you know, barbell movements. And so, um, I totally scaled the weight on, uh, you know, on all the, well, I did kind of the competitor track level because the competitor track level had bar muscle ups. Right. And I haven't done those in months and months so i'm like you know i need to get up there and grease grease those a little bit and make sure i can still do them so i wanted to do the bar muscle ups but i scaled all the weight loads down um and did all the reps so um yeah it, it, honestly it's day to day and i don't i really don't like doing handstand pushups anymore uh i just i think they're horribly bad for your your neck you know and uh so i just you know i i know they're a necessary evil in crossfit but super um, functional what's that?
1: I said super functional,
2: right? Yeah. I just, uh, you know, I, I, that's something that early on in my CrossFit, uh, career, you know, I, I just, especially being bald, like one of the first products we came out with was a skull mat, just, you know, just to protect your head, just because I just thought it was ridiculous that you were impacting on your, you know, on your, uh, spinal column with all your body weight. And I would skin up my head on the horse mats, you know? Um, and then, Later on down the line, we we partnered up with AAI, which is one of the, you know, oldest, most prestigious gymnastics um, manufacturers. And, and uh, the handstand push mat, that, that scaling options, you know, it, it folded to different tiers so that you could do a scaled handstand push-up, uh, a, a straight handstand push-up, or a deficit handstand push-up. You know, it cool. gave you variations. Yeah, yeah. So that was, um, yeah. And so, but that's just a, that's a skill that if there's handstand push-ups, if it's low low volume strict then i'll i'll opt in for a handful uh, until i feel like i'm you know putting too much pressure uh otherwise i'll just i'll substitute with um dumbbell shoulder presses right yeah so yeah
0: so here's where i get geeked out this is the the og in me so when i started i had this coach who was games level he actually he was a masters athlete he went to the games and finished second at the games one year and he was bald Thanks. like us <laughs> And in those days, we would only do strict handstand push-ups. It would not allow kipping in any stretch of the imagination. This is early, early CrossFit, like 2011, maybe. And we did not have skull mats. So we had the the horse stall mats. And this dude would literally come off these workouts with little indentions in the top of his head, you know, from just pounding the... And I thought that was how it was done. Like, this is... I'm like, all right, this is what CrossFit is. This is what we're going to do, right? And then I end up changing gyms a few later and they had your skull mat and it's your skull mat. And I was like, what is this voodoo? Who invented this beautiful product that I no longer have to beat my head against the ground on? And that's where I get so geeked out getting to hear the story about how this thing came to be, because I'm your, I'm your test audience. Like the, the people you were looking for didn't want to bleed from the top of their head.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely that's hard. awesome. That's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know if you guys remember, I can't remember which year at the games. It was back in Carson and it was um it was oh geez. I don't know if it was 2012, 13 or 14, somewhere in there. But um the the individuals had to do uh um deficit handstand push-ups, but they they went to the top of a weight stack, a weight plate. Yeah. And I don't know how many athletes came off that event literally with just bloody bashed heads. And I just thought, that's horrendous. That's really, that's poor taste and, and poor planning. And, and uh, I was pretty bummed that uh, Dave didn't reach out to us to, you know, put something down or, or at least ask Rogue to, to create something, you know, to, to put yeah. down. But that, that was unnecessary. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't like that type of ancillary carnage uh, when you're just trying to exercise, you know? Well,
1: yeah. And then, like, so to further that, like I've always preached in a lot of my videos like don't, don't wear the, the ripped hands as a badge of honor. Like that's like, right. that's very old school, like pukey CrossFit era where it's right. like, we're bloody and vomiting. Yay. CrossFit <clears throat> anymore. I just tell people it's like, what is going to make it so that you can come back in and put a similar effort in the next day. Right. And that's where scale and bail comes into play. hundred um, percent, And also where proper hand care comes into play. Like don't, don't, Wear this ripped, bloody badge of honor. It's one thing if you're doing like a Spartan race or something, and like you have one event and you're working your butt off. Maybe Murph would be like the only one where it's like, hey, listen, like if I bleed a little bit for this workout, it's nothing compared to the sacrifice that you know Murph and and the rest of um, his SEAL team and and all the other people who tried to rescue him, you know, went through. But save like one or two instances. It's just like stop wearing this like. I'm beat to crap. Yay. CrossFit badge of honor. It's like, I, I very much try to preach the opposite, which is like, how can we, how can we take care of our hands? How can we take care of the top of our head? How can we make sure that we're not doing anything that causes like, you know, damage to our body? Because like the reason we're doing CrossFit is to take care of our bodies in the long run. And I right. feel like if we do it right and do it the way that you're talking about it, Dave, doing the way that we preach it in, in scale and bail. It's like, we are taking care of our bodies for, for longevity health and fitness, and even, even, you know, competition, like being good at sport, whether it's CrossFit as a sport or just like sports in general, like in my case, we're doing this to to be healthy overall. And you're not healthy when you're, when your hands are gushing blood and when you're splurting blood out of the top of your head. So like you're preaching to the choir there, man. I'm, I'm totally on board with this whole, let's, let's not wear the blood as a badge of honor uh, thing.
2: Oh, I I love it. No, I love everything you just said. And, and, uh, you know, being in CrossFit for so long, obviously you see people come and go and, and, and I'm always sad to see that. I I hate when people leave the gym, oh, CrossFit was too hard, you know, or I just didn't like all the the aches and pains and things like that. And, and knowing that at least at our gym, you know, we're not like this crazy aggro, you know, like go hard, go hard. Right. Um, In fact, I'm the opposite because I do want people to stay. I'm kind of like a, I'm a pseudo coach at our gym. I don't, I'm not on schedule, but if they need me, I mean, I've had my L one since 2009. So if they need me, I'll, I'll fill in. But, uh, but when I'm there, I just consider myself an ambassador of our gym and, uh, and, and I like to help people. So, you know, my, my thing is to always slow people down, Mm -hmm. find ways to make it easier, you know, not get them to throw up, you know, tell them, Hey, take a break, you know, uh, I, my gym owner actually hates me, even though he's pretty mellow. He's not aggro about CrossFit. But I created a, I created a, a monster in the gym, and uh, it's this thing called the Wisdom Box. And, um, you know, I just – I think it was after – you guys remember Donnie Schenkel. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 So I went to one of his seminars years ago. He had a weightlifting seminar in, in San Diego, and he was a character. But, you know, the one thing he said that, that they do after, like, in between every single lift, even when they're just warming up with light loads – is they sit down every single time? They sit down, take the weight off their legs, you know, take gravity off their legs every single time, and so that always stuck in my head. And then I just when I got out of the cro- competitive, you know, mindset of of CrossFit and I'm just exercising, I'm yeah. like, you know what, this is my workout. I can kind of do it any way I want because I don't really care about beating so and so. So I would I would pull up. We have these little uh, u- green utility boxes that you see at Home Depot, right? That you can use to yeah. step up on a pull-up bar. So I would pull one up and set it up next to my my workout area, and uh, you know I would still analyze a workout like everybody else. Like, okay, what's it got in it? What am I good at? What am I not good at? And then I would pick something to pick something in that workout to be my 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 goal or my challenge, right? And so you know, if it's a barbell movement, I might be like, you know what? I want to see if I can hang onto the barbell for every rep each round, you know, and I'll 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 sacrifice the other parts of the workout if need be, but I want to I want to see if I can hang onto the barbell and um so i would actually um i would sit down on the box you know i'd come off my other movements tired huffing and puffing and then i would sit down on my box pat some sweat off drink water and and you people know people were gasping uh, everywhere <laughs> I, yeah they were they were like what are you doing i'm literally sitting <laughs> down in the middle of a workout right and uh, you know i can imagine purists just vomiting right now um and i said it's the wisdom box you know i called it the wisdom box and uh and then i would you know pick up the barbell and I would go unbroken while everybody else is dropping it. Right. And more than half the time I'm, I would beat people in the workout doing it that way. Yeah, And right. It's just, it's just pacing, right. It's just pacing, knowing what you, what you, you know, what you can uh, output and, and what you can maintain. But for me, it's like, it's my workout. I can do whatever I want so that I'm enjoying it. Right. I want to enjoy my exercise. I don't let anybody else, you know, dictate how that needs to go. And uh, so now when especially when people started seeing me beat them in workouts doing that, everybody's pulling boxes up to their workouts and our owner is just like, Oh, I hate it. But uh, it, it's pretty funny. So yes, I you can like, actually sit down. You can sit down during a CrossFit workout. It's okay. Yeah. I
1: love, I just, I love the, um, I don't know, like forcing yourself to take some rest too, like removing this, this aura of like, I must go until I see stars and kind of like, taking a step back and saying this is my workout. Like I'm not here to compete with anyone else. Um yeah. I'm here to I'm here to experience my workout and set individual goals. Like the removal of that like ego against everyone else. Um man, I feel like a lot of people could really 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 learn from that. You know, go in and just allow your like allow yourself to take a sip of water. Now, caveat, there will be a lot of gym owners that that do not like that advice at all. But I think the bottom line is like even if you can't hit something Again, like 100 percent, like you were mentioning earlier today, it's like if you only have 50 percent to give, that's totally fine. I'd rather them get into the gym and, and get something done because you're cultivating that good habit of showing up rather than like, well, I can't crush this workout. I'm just going to completely bail. Off. Right. I would much have rather have the scale than the bail uh, for most most aspects of should I go to the gym or not?
2: Yeah, you know what? when you when you think about CrossFit and you think about okay, a coach programs a workout, or if they're if they're subscribing to uh, one of the programming um, you know groups out there, uh, you know, let's just say somebody creates this one. Here's the RX workout for the day. Uh, that's so arbitrary to me, right? Because you have such a diverse population of people that I mean, diverse in so many ways as far as just their experience with CrossFit. Their athletic abilities their their flexibility right their mental capacity right some people they just they don't push as hard as other people right or some people don't like being in groups i mean there's just so many different levels uh to humans that to say that you know it's rx it's not rs it to me is so arbitrary right so for me to sit down during a workout so what, you know, like I'm, I'm working out as hard as, as, as I want to work out and I'm getting what I want out of it. And, uh, and guess what? I'm still beating people. If that means something to you, I'm still beating people. So what's the complaint there? So yeah, I just, I think people need to cut themselves a little bit of slack and and take that, a lot of that pressure off themselves. And, and, um, and again, you have days where you feel better and you're going to go a little harder. And then yeah. other days you need to, you need to rant, you know, uh, dole it back a little bit. So. Yeah.
1: And I think it also comes with, it's, I mean, we've both been doing CrossFit for over 12 years at this point. I think you said 13, I think I was one year after you at 12. And it's like the, some of this comes with a bit of experience. So hopefully people who are listening, sure. even if they don't have that much experience can just like, Take this with you know, a grain of salt. I do feel like it is important for people to understand what pukey or maybe right before pukey feels like. like. I feel like there are times where it's like, hey, it's time to full send and see what your body is capable of. But like once you've like experienced that and you've tasted that um, or tasted the Fran cough and the Fran lung and, and maybe even competed, like just tasted. What is what does it feel like to give absolutely 100 percent? Then you just have like so much more confidence, allowing yourself to to back off. You know, I will say there are some people who like I knew I knew as a coach that in order for me to get them to get the aha moment of like wow, like CrossFit really can push me to a level I've never been pushed. I had to tell them to dial it up a few notches because they were just I could tell they were very reserved. They never played a sport in their life. They never wanted to like fully send in on something. They always like took it really really easy, which is fine. But as soon as I'm able to expose an athlete to like what is it, what does it truly mean to have to lie on the floor after a workout when you've expended everything? Like once you experience that, then you can come back. It's almost like like Plato's allegory of the cave. Like once you step out and you see what that is and what it feels like, you can then know know with confidence what it's like to, to back off a few notches and like be in a comfortable position, but not so much comfort that you're not getting stimulus but not too much discomfort that you never want to show up again. And that's, I feel like that happy medium.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, John, I, just to add to that. I, I, I kind of want to re-clarify just like you said that absolutely. I think the, the beautiful thing about CrossFit is, is that you do discover like you have higher limits than you realize. Right. And, and you got to push yourself and there's so much great stuff to be gained from that a hundred percent. I think I was coming from more of a place of, of, you know, people who are new at CrossFit, you know, like they, it's always, uh, integrity of movement, right? Like let's get good, good movement patterns down. And then you start adding intensity, right? So you're just doing things in a, in a a proper progression. Uh, but absolutely. I I think you need to push yourself and, and, uh, you know, I I think everybody's level of getting close to pukey or getting blacked out or whatever, that's going to be different for everybody. Right. But, uh, but whatever it might be, lot to be gained from, from having those struggles and, and fighting through for sure. Yeah. Well, I'd just like to say that tomorrow
0: when uh, gym members start pulling out boxes and telling their coaches, this is the wisdom box. You can email Dave at RX smart gear <laughs> Yeah, and not, yes. do not DM me cause this was not my love advice.
1: It. Don't say I scale and, and bill sent you there. Just say yeah. it was Dave. Yeah. RX Smart gear guy.
2: Yeah, he, tells guy man,
1: he, he tells me I should take a 10 minute break between rounds.
2: <laughs> yeah. If you as long as you can still win some workouts and, and sitting on a box, then I'm all for it. Yeah,
0: I'm on, I'm on my wisdom box. I'm gonna start telling that to my coach and see how Saxon takes it.
2: see how, see <laughs> how that goes. Though.
0: So how'd uh, you make this transition then from you know competitive athlete to you know masters athlete and to actually solving some of our real some of our real problems? which in the early days was finding gear that was worth the crap and then putting out a really, really good product, specifically your jump rope, which was one of the, my first experiences with,
2: you know, uh, double unders was with your rope. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, you know what, honestly, uh, everything, the funny thing is, is that it, it, we were, this was never supposed to be a business. That was never the goal. Right. Uh, I was just, uh, I was ex- the guy that would go in and, um, do something in the gym and realize like, Oh, I didn't like the way that felt, you know, or I'm not, I don't like the way that's going. Right. So, um, you know, uh, I'll give you a good example. Ben, I saw one of your, one of your videos, really good videos on muscle up progression and doing a strict muscle up with a kip. Right. So I'm an old school guy. I actually coached my background is, 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 was I coached gymnastics for over 15 years. Um, my wife and I both did. And, um, you know, I got to be around some, you know, I wasn't a high level performer myself, but I got into coaching early and then coached to a high level and, um, got to be around some amazing, amazing people, uh, you know, Olympic level and and beyond. And, um, and so, you know, one of the first things I, before I even made it, tried to make a jump rope before I realized I suck so bad at double unders, I needed to solve that equation for myself (laughs) is that i i always uh i did you know false grip kipping muscle-ups that's the way i always did them and i would just shred my my wrist bone so probably one of the first things i ever made for myself was a a false grip protector you know like a piece of leather like i literally would you know go buy the material cut it out sew it together and and velcro it on so that i could false grip and do you know, reps of, of muscle ups. Cause I just hated shredding right here. Right. It just takes so long to heal. Yeah. Um, and I just, those are the things I don't, I don't like, I don't like those type of ancillary, um, um, you know, inconveniences or discomforts because CrossFit's hard enough as it is, right. You're already breathing heavy, you're sweating, you know, seeing red, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah. So before I even, you know, probably played around with, Jump ropes. I was making grips for myself. So I, almost, a lot of the things that we've created were things that I made for myself just during the course of doing CrossFit. You know, uh, the the shin guards that we we sell now. I literally went to an army surplus store and found some canvas military gaiters that I think the color guard would wear when they're doing like their you know marching you know uh, uh, formations. And I remember seeing those, thinking. Man, those are those might work. Those are pretty durable, you know? So I had to take them home. They had kind of the hiking boot little little loops that you hook the string around. So I had to rip all of those off and sew Velcro on. It had a stirrup that went under the bottom. I didn't want that. So I, I cut that off. And, you know, that was my first shin guard that I made for myself because I like climbing rope. I just didn't like shredding my, my skin. And um, so a lot of those things, it's funny that um, the jump rope's, kind of took a life of their own and took off but yet i had all these other products that really weren't products they were just my solutions for me and then once jump ropes kind of started getting some traction and and you know we started making some money you know my wife and and some of the people that were working with us at the time were like you know that's that's a pretty cool product you should we should put those out we should try and make them look nicer uh, make them more presentable because when i made them for me it didn't matter what they looked like right that was the beautiful thing i just wanted pure functionality and so you know same thing with the jump rope when i made my first jump rope it was for me to try and get better i needed to figure out why i was struggling and and um and i didn't care what it looked like or tastes like or smelled like i just cared about results and then when i you know when i found it it's like cool it works and uh and that always speaks i feel like speaks louder than than anything else, you know. So um, I love
1: it. You you set out not to make products that would sell. You set out to make products that would solve problems. And that's uh that's very refreshing in an industry filled with what's gonna sell the best, you know. So I love that. That's great. Well, yeah.
0: And my experience with your rope, Dave. So here's my RX smart rope story. So uh when you kind of first came on the scene, at least here in Ohio. You know, I was training with all these elite athletes and to be fair, I didn't realize they were as as elite as they were like CrossFit wasn't even really streamed. So I didn't know these guys were games athletes. These are just the people in my gym. You know, I thought everybody could do double unders like crazy. So they're all yeah. using your rope, you know, and can, you know, can do a hundred at a time. So I'm like, all right, well, that's obviously my problem. I have the wrong rope. So, you know, it can't be my technique. So I go right. buy one of your ropes. And my coach, I'm, you know, I'm asking her before I order it. I'm like, you know, how heavy a cable do I need? She's like, get a heavier cable so it moves slower or be easier for you to do. So I get the heavier cable. So it was good advice, you know. And I I come in the first day. And in those days when they would teach you to do double unders, you'd go, all right, coach, show me how. And they go, well, you want it to go under twice. Good luck. You know, that was like kind of the extent of what they would coach. And so she puts me over in the corner and I forget what the workout was, but it had a bazillion double unders in it. and, (laughs) And I'm too stupid to stop. And she's too mean to let me stop. And by the time I was done, the back of my legs were literally purple you know. Oh yeah. And I'm like, "Well, this rope sucks. It's broken, you know, it doesn't work." <laughs> <laughs> and so I put it away and I ordered something else, and I didn't touch a rope again for a year until I learned to do them. The moral of the story was it wasn't the rope. Someone needed to actually teach me to do it. The rope was great, you know. But what I love about kind of the progression of where all these companies have come, including you guys, is now not only are you, you know, people selling them, but you're actually teaching people how to do it, <laughs> which is even better in those days they didn't teach us crap they're like just go twice get it under twice you're good to go you know right Right, right, until you got it it
2: was terrible well the 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 funny the way that kind of developed was really having a gymnastics background and looking at things the way a gymnastic coach does because we we in gymnastics you analyze every every micro angle or movement of every joint of the body right and and not only for like power output and and productivity, but also for aesthetics, right? It's artistic gymnastics, and so you've got to look, look, perfect while you're performing something, you know, a, a huge vault or a huge tumbling pass or whatever it might be. But um, so looking at it and kind of analyzing it, uh, which was the only way I knew how to do, right? So in gymnastics gymnasts are are all different sizes and whatever apparatus they're working on that that apparatus is adjusted to fit their their size you know so if it's a, it's a it's a vault you got a shorter gymnast you move the you move the you drop the vault down you move the board closer so they can get the right angle of trajectory right to get the most pop off the horse and the most uh, you know power output um you know uh, uneven bars right Th- those are raised girls uneven bars are, are raised and move closer together or farther apart depending on the the athlete and, and the skills that they're performing um, so i mean just it's like that for everything so when you look at how your body is supposed to interact with an apparatus they should fit and so that was the the first thing so you're, you're right like the the, the jump rope, that was my first thought too. It was like, oh, it's got to be the jump rope. That's why I kept buying all these different jump ropes and just having very minimal success, no consistency. Okay, it's I call it the golfer syndrome. Like you keep hitting a slice. Let me go buy a new golf club, right? I need a golf club with a stiffer shaft, a closed face, you know, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, then I just, I kind of just stopped and slowed down and go, wait a second, you know, let me let me try and analyze, you know, what are the things that are giving me more success on the rope side? And then how can I make make my body fit the rope and the rope fit my body so that I can be in a more optimal position to improve your learning curve? So really, it's just creating the right environment so that your learning curve is better. And that's where the rope can help. And your, your coach gave you the right advice by having a, a heavier cord to give you better, better feedback to track the rope and just time your jump better. Um, but the sizing matters too. And that's really... That's why our whole teaching approach and, 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 and why we teach and how we teach happened so naturally, because when I was trying to figure this out for myself, we would make a bunch of jump ropes and they would all be set sizes, right? Like we, we didn't make them adjustable. They were fixed sizes and we would just mark what length they were. Go into the gym and I would grab John. Hey, John, how tall are you? And I'd write it down, right? We just had this notepad. You're okay. Oh, you're, you're six foot one. Great. And I would take a rope. Hey, try this rope and I'd have you measure it to your body, and we'd notate kind of where where it fit on your body. Then we'd watch you jump, and we'd look at your posture and positioning, and we'd look at where the rope's impacting the ground, and we're looking at how much is tracking over your head, how much gap you have, and all of those factors. And then I'd take that out of your hands, give you a a different rope. Hey, here's a shorter one. And then all of a sudden, things start to clean up, right? Your positioning gets better, your clearance overhead's cleaning up, where it's passing in front of your toes is is neater, right? Less less, uh, friction. So That's how we kind of developed a general sizing approach, and uh, and just started morphing. Like, okay, what's optimal positioning, um, and you know, best practices as far as biomechanics, and so that all just happened so naturally, just trying to like figure out the equation. So it's really it's a multi part, it's a multi part uh, uh, answer, I think, as far as having the right rope and then knowing what you're supposed to to do to fit within that rope and make it work for you.
0: Well, and you've evolved this into multiple implements to help people scale, which I think is really cool. I got, you know, for people listening, I reached out to Dave, you know, several weeks ago and said, Hey, I'm training in my basement primarily because of work right now works crazy. And I love doing double unders, but my basement's only got eight foot ceiling. So I can't do double unders down there. Do you have a solution for that? Like I need, I need to be able to simulate double unders without doing double unders. He's like, do I ever, he sends me this rope. That's an individual rope in each hand with a knot on the end. And it's kind of heavy as hell. And it feels just like double unders, but it's a little harder if I'm being honest, like it's a little harder on my shoulders. And I really like it because I can now do workouts in my basement. I don't think it was designed for what I'm using it for, but I'll let you explain it. But I use it as if I'm doing double unders and it's a little heavier than a normal rope. And it blows up my shoulders and my wrists the way I want it to you know the way it would in a workout when i'm doing kind of heavy volume double under work and gets my heart rate up and i get a jump so my calves aren't you know going to be wrecked when i am actually able to do double unders and you know it kind of accomplishes everything i want so i you know i love the fact that you've continued to evolve your business past just hey let's just make a rope and people who do double unders with it you're looking at kind of all aspects of scaling and and what that means for people
2: awesome appreciate that now i'm glad those are working out for you didn't I send you the whole kit did I send you the kit that has some of the other tools in it
0: you sent the whole thing there's uh there's like a ball gag in there and uh some <laughs> some some, some handcuffs there was like all kind of crazy stuff in there wrong uh, kit
2: john the other kit. yeah yeah, exactly. Wrong kit. But uh, yeah, how you use it after I send it to you, that, that's up to you. That's not how it was intended. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know what? And again, that's back to kind of the, the gymnastics, uh, uh, you know, mindset uh, is that um, I've had the, the, the fortune and, and benefit of working with a lot of different coaches throughout gymnastics coaches throughout the years. And it was really interesting to encounter different coaches that had different approaches, different philosophies to teaching, teaching their, their athletes. And you, know, you have, you have some coaches that are kind of the huck it and chuck it coaches, right. Where it's like, Hey, let's just, let's just spot you through this, this double backflip, right. Off the bars or on floor or whatever, like let's just spot you through it and and bump you through it and we'll catch you and make sure you land safely. Um, and, uh, and just kind of huck it. So the kid, gets comfortable, gets over their fear and things like that. Um, but, um, uh, there were the other side of it was you had the coaches that were, you know, everything was a progression and you don't move on to B until you've mastered a, right. And so you spend an a might be simply doing a backward somersault on the ground. So you have your body position dynamics dialed in, right. And you got equilibrium use just rolling on the ground and then you, you build it up from there. And so, um, you know, the, uh, I just gravitated towards the coaches that, that really taught progression because what we found was I back, Oh, I can't remember what year it was back in the nineties. I mean, I'm, like I said, we're, we're both pretty old, but I coached back in the eighties and nineties. And, um, it was really cool because we had, we had some pretty studly gymnasts in the U S you know, back back in the, uh, you know, mid late eighties, but still never compared to the Russians. And when a group of coaches got to finally, you know, and Russia was like, it was so mysterious, like, oh my God, you know, they're, 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 they must just have these science labs with, with, uh, you know, guys in white lab coats and goggles and gloves, and they're just doing all these things, you know, to the athletes and uh, to make them these superhuman gymnasts. And when, when the U S coaches got to go over and do kind of a field trip, they found out that the, their facilities were garbage. Their facilities were just like so run down. They were using they were using like bed old bed mattresses as landing mats in some instances. The foam pits were just you know shards of chopped up foam that you know were ages old, and uh, so their facilities weren't like these amazing like scientific you know uh, um, uh, laboratories. But what these guys were doing were Basics, like these high level, you know, world champion Olympians were doing, like they would warm up every day doing the basics. And I mean forward somersaults across the floor, backward somersaults across the floor, cartwheels, you know, handstand hold, roll down. It, it was really eye opening to see that we had this impression like, oh my gosh, you know, they're doing these crazy things to get there. But nope, they're just honing in their foundation. And, and building a solid, solid foundation of, of movement pattern uh, and then building on that. And that's why they were so good at the things that they, they performed. So, yeah, that's just been kind of ingrained. So when we teach, we're always teaching from the standpoint of like, hey, let's, let's break the movement down into parts, like palatable parts that you can rehearse. So the trainers that you're using, um, you know, I didn't invent those, right? Like speed ropes, speed handles have been around for ages and ages, right? But they were used in a different capacity. Speed handles were typically a little, you know, tiny speed, speed handle, jump rope, uh, jump rope handle. And at the end would be like a, a, a plastic ball or a wiffle ball. And it was usually shorter than what we use. And that was for athletes that competed in speed rope competitions, right? And they're literally trying to turn as many revolutions as they can in 30 seconds, 60 seconds, or three minutes. Those are the basic time domains. Um, and somebody's they counting every single step, they're literally running in place. So the speed balls were, they, they use those to try and go as fast as they can and just kind of build that dexterity and coordination. And that's not how I tweaked it a little bit. I wanted something longer, a little heavier, and I wanted people to learn how to just create some balanced rotational tree. Right? Ben, I know you see this when you coach people all the time there's always one dominant hand that is just going wild doing all the cranking. And the other hand is just frozen in time. And that can lead to your rope going a little off off offline, a little crooked. And so, you know, the trainers you're using is just to, we let people just stand still, you know, face a mirror, face a reflection in the window, whatever it might be, and just learn how to get their hands in the right position and just practice rotating. Right. So it's just simplifying that part of the skill and and then we'll we'll add on to that, you know. So um, yeah, so that's that really comes from gymnastics and 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 really understanding progression and and the benefits of them. So it's like giving somebody a fish, you know. You can you can band aid coach and like help somebody get something right now today, or you could slow down and try and teach them the right way so they can do it for the rest of their life, you know.
1: Yeah, and that like that right there is how I teach like every one of my seminars and. If anyone listening has ever purchased a wad prep course, that's like, it's funny. Like a lot of the videos I make are the hacks, the band-aids, because that's what people want. They're like, give it, give me the, like, how can I make this happen immediately? But when you, when you peel back the layers and you actually come see how I teach a, a double under seminar or ring muscle up seminar, bar muscle ups, it's literally, we practice nothing but the fundamentals. And I, I do like the simplest drills like especially double under seminars it's like let's put our ropes down let's just jump look all of us can jump and we can all bound just like we're doing a double under right so you've all proven to me that you can do it now let's add in the penguin clap right let's add in a little bit of like let's move our hands while we're patting your head and rubbing your belly yeah and then it's like all right let's pick up a rope and let's do some big single under. you know it's just like these simple progressions that like I kind of, I leave them with this homework of like this progression that we practice. And they are just like, is it really that simple? It's like, yes, it's just, you have to practice the fundamentals. And then yep. they, and then fundamentals under, you know, practice will eventually turn into some breakthroughs. And a lot of times we do get them on that day during the seminar, especially like ring muscle ups. right? Like who actually teaches the false grip properly anymore? I feel like no one does. Cause every gym I go to, I'm like that's not a false grip. Like you're just kind of choking up a little bit. Like you got right. to of your wrist and then voila, muscle ups occur, but yep. it all comes down to the basics. Like, like for pretty much every skill that that you've taught through your years of gymnastics coaching. And I've taught through, taught through years of just CrossFit coaching. It's like really it comes down to like, it's like each skill can kind of be broken down into like two or three progressions and you practice those two or three fundamentals, put it together and you got it. As long as you have the, the prerequisite, like strength, in the case of like a muscle up, but that's like a lot of times people don't realize this. They want some sexy hack. They want some fancy piece of equipment. They want some you know magical formula. And really, it's just like no. Let's practice fundamentals and and practice them a little bit more consistently under a trained eye, and then boom, you're going to make those transformations.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, don't get me wrong. There's definitely a place like the the band aid fixes. Um, I use Band-Aid fixes all the time, right? You you have to, you just for different reasons. So you'll, you'll have people that you've given them too many cues sometimes, right? They're overcoached and they just get discombobulated with so many things to think about. So then, then I just want them to have like experienced success, right? Like, you know what? And I literally told people, I don't care what it looks like. Jump your ass off, tuck your knees up spin the rope, make a double under happen yep. just so you get the first one. So they get, get over that hurdle and the mental block of like, yep. okay, I did one. And then absolutely. And then, and then I'll then take and slow them down and take it backwards and go, okay, let's see if we can, you know, straighten our body up a little bit more. Let's see if we can get our, pay attention to where our hands are and you try and piece them back. So there's definitely room for, for, for band-aids all the time. And, and some, frankly, sometimes, I mean, I, we coach a ton of, of games athletes and, you, you get the really good ones. I say the really good ones because the ones that I gravitate towards that they don't mind taking a step back to really try and perfect and their efficiencies and become optimal because they get it because you know, that, that 0.1% can make such a big difference. Yeah. Um, and so they don't mind taking a step back and making some changes that I might suggest. And then you get some others that, you know what? Hey, they can do 100 unbroken or 200 unbroken. They feel good enough. don't really they don't really care you know what i mean but
1: but then it bites them when in the rogue invitational right you saw like the reason sam quant made it to the finals um was because his double unders were better than everyone right it was that he had a faster cadence he was able to pick up the rope and immediately get into that first you know double and he just had a faster cadence you could tell like this guy practiced heavy rope double unders and that's why Like, cause everyone's snatch was like, I mean, save a few people. Like most people were snatching relatively the same, but he, he was out double undering people and it was pretty, you know, he picked up a lot of points because of that. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Can I tell you a quick, funny anecdote? Um, uh, We're from the games. uh, Sue and I went out to go, to go uh, hang out, watch the games and um, you know, the, uh, the pegboard, the pegboard workout with the single, dumbbell overhead i think squats and and heavy double unders um that workout we, you know where we were sitting kind of in our in our seats we were facing all the athletes were coming towards us we were kind of like at the finish line i guess and um you know we're friends with pat bellner he's a pat's a great dude and and uh he he uses our stuff and um and i'm watching you know but i've never really had you know like i don't I don't just walk right in and go, Hey, let me coach you double unders, right? Like I'm very standoffish. And if somebody asks, absolutely. I'll give them all the, all the time that they want, uh, or I might throw out, you know, a little, a little something just to see how they respond to it if they're receptive to, to anything. So, um, anyway, so I mean, Pat's such a a mellow guy, but, um, I've never really coached him or spent time with him on, on any of his efficiencies and, and he's a good jumper. So I'm, I'm watching him throughout the workout and, you know, we have a very purposeful, like everything we do when we, when we teach our, our, our workshops is, is purposeful, like in a CrossFit setting, in a CrossFit gym. And that's from like how you start your rope to how you stop it and put it down. Right. It's very intentional. Nothing is, is, is just kind of like haphazard. And, um, and I'm watching Pat. So when we, when we set up a jump rope, we, we like the rope to, you know, be in a horseshoe shape with the rope behind us and the handles in front of you so that you step right in, pick it up, you go and you double under on the very first rep, right? You don't single under first. That's just more for competitive people. Right. Um, And then, yeah, um, hold on quick caveat for everyone. Who's not competitive and
1: trips on the first rep every single time. Don't listen to that advice because (laughs) the amount of people who try to pick it up and immediately do a double under, oh, and I know you've seen it in all your seminars, but very good advice for competitors.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know what? Actually, actually, it's a, we, we, we teach that to everybody because I, I think everybody can learn it. It's yes, not hard. hard. I, th- I think people think it's harder than it is yeah. because they think the rope needs to move faster than it needs to move. But we, we teach people that you can start a double under at the same pace, rope pace, that you start a single under. And yes. we, we have them do it. We say, look, do a single under. They all do a single under. Was that hard? No, it was chill because the rope wasn't moving fast. You start your double under exactly the same way, same speed. You just load up more and do a bigger jump at the right time. And then everything falls into place. Right. So, so yeah, yeah, unless you teach people to get the timing right and know what they're doing, it actually, you know, but then I also will back up and tell people, look, it does. If you want to do one or two single unders, that's great. It's your fitness. I'm just, I'm just, you know, recommending this and it's something to try. We do it as a drill, Yeah, we do it as a drill, but, um, Anyway, with Pat, you know, uh, he the thing that was just driving me bonkers is that he would set his rope up the other way. So when when he approached his rope, the handles were near him. The rope was out in front of him. So he had to pick his handles up, drag it to him, step over the rope, get queued up. And then he would jump right into his doubles. He didn't do a single. Right. But then when he was done, he would stop the rope. He would fluff it out in front of him like a sheet and then set it down. and Every single time I'm watching him, and I think he was, the lane next to him might have been Janikowski or Goodmanson. but every time he got to his rope, his, his double unders were efficient. They were great, but he took so much time in the in the setup and the finish that the other guy would be off the rope faster than him. So he'd have to catch up on the pegboard and the overhead squat, and then he'd come back to the rope. He'd get to the rope ahead of the other person, but the other person would leave the rope before him because he kept doing this whole setup thing. So I literally picked up my phone and I started texting him while well, I'm watching this. And my wife is like, who are you texting? Oh, I'm texting Pat right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm texting Pat. Like, oh man, I'm just driving me crazy. And I was telling him like, dude, we got to work on that. Like he, he could have been so far ahead of the other guy with these mm. minor little tweaks huh. and he wouldn't have to play catch up every single time. And, and uh, it was funny because when he got back back to the warm up area he actually responded back, he's like, "Oh dude, sorry, man, like yeah, I need to work on that, you know, so he was really he was really receptive, so anyway uh,
1: I love that um and also a note just like on the the like first rep double under thing, I think like we're definitely on the same page there because it's way more efficient, but it's just like, man, the amount of people that i've seen in the coach personally they rush to it basically is what happens sure, and, like sure. this like panic mode of like it is now time to do double unders and they just like freak out and it's like you they can't even like get the spin of the rope like they can't even like feel the way i talk about it is like you need to like feel the feel the beat before you start dancing to the music right like like you want to like feel the beat and a lot of times for me um i've had success especially like this is again mainly geared towards very beginners it's like hey let's like feel the beat of the music, and then let's start dancing, AKA let's feel the beat of our big singles and then introduce the double under. But so obviously once you have that proficiency, yeah, there's, there's so much time and energy and effort and there's, and transitions that can be saved, especially in, in like open workouts and stuff like that uh, where you're saving so much time, if you can get right into it. And again, set that rope down with the you facing away um, where you step into it, boom! You're right into the first rep. I mean, it's like these little things, yeah. but they make a huge difference.
2: Absolutely. The, the cool thing is, you know, this there's so many different ways to like approach something and and have success, right? With the way you want to uh, teach somebody, and and you a lot of time you have to change the way you teach a person because they're just not grasping what you're trying to give them. Yep. So you've got to you've got to find a workaround. Um, I, I simply use that drill. The teach we call it double off the deck, um, and I just use that drill exactly for what you said. Cause I want to show people and teach people that they can do a slow double under. I want Mm. them to learn a slow double under and, and, and not fear the rope. Right. And so that's the whole goal of that is have a, heavier, have a heavier rope, start tracking their rope, feel it, see it, look at it and, and, and do it slowly. And and what I tell them every single time is I don't care if you make it, I don't care if you fail. I just want you to get the rope queued up because the other thing it really helps them do is it helps them wait for the rope and know where the rope should be down in front of the toes when they take off. Yeah. And the, the way we explain it to them is what a lot of people don't realize is they think a double under is, is ropes behind your legs. You jump up in the air, swing the rope around your body twice, passing under your feet twice. Then you come back down. And it's actually not. If you, if you start a double off the deck, you're standing on the ground for 99% of the first rotation. And if you time it right, right when you leave the ground, the rope passes under, half your rep is done. Yep. Just, you just left the ground and half the rep's done. Now on your way up, you're finishing your second rotation and starting your next rep on the way down. So when you break it, when I give it to them that way, they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know. Yeah. And it's just trying to get them slow down. So that being said, I will always have one or two people, we'll attempt it 10 or 15 times and they can't get it just exactly like you said they just they freak out they get tense they spin too fast so i just let them know like hey that's just a drill it's not the end of the world so now let's go to let's do three single unders into a double under right yeah. so then i'll revert to exactly what you're saying yeah so yeah absolutely we're, and we're it really surprised board. me that
1: they're at, just at the rogue invitational how many people still started with like i think because they weren't comfortable with the heavy rope the amount of people that started with like one or two singles and fared okay in the workout um, it's, it's, it's just really interesting. Like there's a certain level where like most, most amateur CrossFitters that just are really frustrated and, you know, break down and mentally and emotionally the first time they trip, it's like, Hey, just do a couple singles before you start. And then you right. feel the beat. But it was also really interesting how, like, I was kind of still shocked. I was like, man, these super high level athletes are sacrificing a couple seconds in a workout that only lasts. Fifty nine seconds, right? You know, like that was that was a bit surprising. So
2: that's that is surprising. And you know what? It's not the rope, honestly. Like that's just attention to detail. Like those athletes sure. that are doing it, they're just not looking at every little instance where they can save time, mm-hmm. right? They they they've used that same rope since twenty sixteen. Like we 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 boastfully take credit for like getting heavy ropes into the games in twenty sixteen. Uh, Castro came to our facility. We put him through a workout with our, our Zeus rope, which is a half pound half pound cable and 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 talk to him about our philosophy like we our philosophy is always train heavy compete light we use mm. everything but a speed rope when we work out yeah like once you can do double unders a speed rope's kind of a waste of time really
1: right so, it's, it's it, yeah it doesn't matter
2: it's just so easy but you 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 practice with it to keep your skill sharp keep your timing sharp and maybe you want to like go for speed doubles as fast mm. as you can right or maybe you want to do the longest set, you know, 300 unbroken, whatever, I get it. So you use your speed rope to stay sharp. Otherwise, we're always training with something where that gives you more input, right? And, and forces more capacity uh, or output. So, um, so we, you know, in 2016, he came down, we did a workout because I'd been trying to get him to use heavy ropes because I knew a lot of athletes weren't training with him. And he finally got it. He's like, oh man, that's amazing. That was We put him through a rope climb, kettlebell, double under workout. Yeah. And of course, what ended up happening was rogue is the official equipment uh, provider so they use rogues heavy rope and the funny thing was is they they kind of jacked it up like it wasn't like when they were having athletes test it uh, they had dan bailey testing that year because he didn't qualify and uh and matt loden is one of the seminar staff guys um a good buddy and so it just things weren't working out right so they literally um brought a bag. It's funny because they walked in with this like, I don't know if it was a grocery bag or a Lululemon bag of handles and jump ropes. And um and they basically tried to fangle uh uh I had a set like uh when Castro had his his secret gym down in San Diego, I provided them with ropes. So they had a whole variety whenever he brought athletes in. Uh sometimes they forgot their jump rope. So so they had all of our ropes up there to train with. And um, so they tried to take one of my jump ropes and cut the handles off and then put it on the rogue rope. And it just wasn't, it, you know, wasn't huh. working. So they brought it to me and asked, like, hey, can you fix this? Right. And uh, and that, that's when I realized, like, oh, shit, they're not going to use our rope. They're going to use Rogue's rope. So I was kind of bummed out about that. But so um, that's
1: where you made it like 10 times worse. Right. So it was just a failure. <laughs> no.
2: No, I I know, right? No, I basically figured out the right weight of cable to put on there yeah. and uh and, and put it together for him and then went out and said we have a gym in our headquarters here so uh took uh um Castro's guy, it wasn't Castro, it was uh um Stefan rochette came out and and tested it out. And I told him right then and there I said, "Stefan, this this rope is too easy." He's like, "What do you mean?" I go, "Well, there's weight in the handles." And that basically zeroes out do the weight in the cable. Yeah. The minute you get it turning, it almost turns itself, right? And I, I said that's really not challenging at all. And uh, you're just jumping with a little bit more weight in your hands, but it's turning itself. And he goes, "Oh, that's a good point." He goes, "You know, that's actually what what Dan Bailey said when he was testing out some of the some of the workouts." I'm like, "Yeah," and I was still trying to make a case for using our rope because ours we don't put weight in the hand. I just don't believe in that. We don't put weight in the handles. The weight's all in the cord, and now you're forced to stabilize that resistance moving around you, right? That inertia. And so uh we didn't it didn't work out. They use rogues, rope. So they've been using that same rope, I mean, multiple years at the games and now rogue invitational And I'm like, that rope is super easy for those athletes. So to your point, they're just not paying attention to detail and removing those singles, right? Just so they can be a little more, more quick on the on the reps.
1: Well, here's a question. Uh, you're in San Diego. Are you guys working with uh, the legends championship at all? We are. All right. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I will be there and I think there are potential plans to do some, some seminars and things like that. And I have cool. a feeling hint, hint, wig, nudge, nudge. Uh, and I do have permission to say this. I have a feeling they might be using any competitors listening. You might be using uh, a special someone's, uh, drag rope right and that what it's called is the drag rope
2: right yeah. possibly yeah there's yeah. a chance <laughs> possibly, but we have heavy ropes too that are on the table so you, you okay. never know what combination you're gonna get
1: cool love it love awesome it. well good
2: we'll see you when you're out here
1: yeah definitely i was gonna say we need to link up i'd love to drop into or see your facilities or the even the the og gym you go to i'd love to love to come out i'll have a couple of my coaches out too cool
0: I, I expect to see videos from the two of you guys doing uh double unders together while you're <laughs> <laughs> we'll
1: hold hands and do double unders together. it will be great. Well,
0: we're, we're kind of coming up against our time, but I will give you a, a kind of a personal testimony here, Dave. And just for, you know, anyone, as you guys have heard this, why you should maybe think about taking a step back in your double unders and following some of these progressions. So like I, I've been doing double unders since 2011. It was literally the first thing I learned to do because mm-hmm. I was really weak and out of shape. And I'm like, I'll never be able to lift like all these strong guys, but I can do double unders. It's just a body weight movement. So I learned them like really early on and I got pretty good at them. And and so when I got your trainers, I learned a couple of things in my basement. I learned I have a dominant hand. It's the right hand Mm -hmm. by the way, because I'd start, you know, doing my quote unquote double unders and that right rope would start spinning away from me. You know, and you get that kind of immediate feedback that they're not moving the same direction, which was really cool. And then the other thing I learned is like in my mind, because I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I should be able to go out and do a hundred unbroken. Well, have you ever just tried to sit there and jump for a hundred times and realize how hard that is without a rope gun on your feet? It's pretty damn hard. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think often athletes are learning double unders and they think, oh, I should be able to do 50 unbroken without realizing the problem isn't the rope. It's your jumping. You can't physically jump 50 times. And that's something you have to build. And those trainers can really help you build that jumping skill because you're not tripping. You can just sit there and bound and bound and bound and bound and build that strength because it is a skill that you have to build like anything else. And so those are two things that you sending those trainers to me have really helped me kind of uncover in my own double unders. And then when I do get out, you know, my speed rope, you sent me the new one by the way, which is awesome. Awesome. and uh and when i get that thing out i'm way more efficient now all of a sudden i'm like oh this feels easier <laughs> you know because i'm not you know i've been drilling that dominant hand and it's not winging out you know far to the right so
1: yeah awesome. it's amazing what happens if you like just like you said you combine that like getting the coordination of your wrist you know in alignment and then also train heavy and then you can compete with the speed rope um i i'll like every workout i've ever done for the last several years now has just been with my, my heavy rope. And it's like, it's amazing what happens when you pick up a speed rope. Like the other day I picked up some random rope at a random gentleman, Austin, cause I forgot mine and the workout was some qualifier workout with 300 double unders. I did like 200 just like super easily. I'm like, man, nice. Speed ropes are great. These are, And I just stopped just cause I was like, I feel like I should stop at some point to like shake it out before our three rep max jerk or whatever. But it was like, it's incredible to see, how how well training heavy works when you when you pull that over into actually picking up the speed rope again
2: yeah absolutely absolutely we actually we have a t-shirt coming out train heavy compete light we've been saying that for years yeah, i love that it kind of applies all over the place but yeah train heavy compete light. john so um thanks for that awesome testimonial i'm glad those are helping you that that you called it a ball gag but that uh that telescoping ball Right, that's. I don't know if you have a rig in your in your basement, like a pull, um, a squat rack or a squat rig, but that's meant Man. to magnetize to your your rig, and you. There's got a velcro strap to stabilize it, and you set that about. This is like nine inches. I measured it right, so you get it about you know at least nine to twelve inches above your head, and and you just practice bounding mm. right and try and hit the target. And what's awesome about that? I love this as a as a, um, a scale for people that have really good single unders. Like if their single unders are dialed right, like they they meet all the check marks that we want to see with single unders as far as tempo, positioning, rope size, all those factors, and they're ready to go to double unders. A great intermediate progression to do, which gives you all of the simulation of a double under, is, is setting that target above your head again, like almost a, you know ten to twelve inches, and um, and then those. Did, I, did they come with a little, um, tempo oh, yeah. trainers, a little babies? Yep. Yeah. So Ben, you'd love these because penguin taps are great. Like I use penguin taps if I don't have anything with me, but, uh, what I, what we came up with something I feel is better is literally little maracas. They're just these little shaker bottles. I that love when it. you, when you shake them, it gives you that audible cue of the rope, tap, tap, shake, shake, love it. but you but you can get your hands in the right position. Instead of turning your hands in to tap, right. you can pronate it out. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the, if you just bound to hit the target, it's funny how people's bodies do the right thing naturally if they have a target to go for. To they stop for. donkey kicking and, Absolutely. and they start hiking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well wow. it took me a a few day days to figure
0: out what people. that thing was for, Dave, to be honest. Like you, you sent it, it's like a little yellow, like tennis ball looking thing, then, but it's like yeah. hard hard foam.
1: <laughs> I can only imagine what you yeah. tried to do with that, Jeff. No,
0: wait, and it has a strap on it. So, I like, since I'm like, is this a ball get Like, am I is this like straight out of pulp fiction? What am I supposed to do with this thing? You know,
2: no, and it's I'm, it's 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 telescoping, so you wrap it around your waist and you stretch it out, and
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so I was trying to figure out you know, I'm looking at the Velcro. I'm like, what the heck does this strap to? And then it occurred to me, it was magnetic. Then I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I get it. And to your point, it is actually really brilliant in that aspect because then I, the way my rig is set up in the basement, I had to put it to the side and I put it in. And when you're doing, you know, when you're jumping with these trainers without it, you instinctively don't jump high enough because you want, you want, you want to move fast. Like your body wants to move fast. And so you put that thing over you and it does slow you down a little because you're wanting, because now you're thinking about hitting the target and to your point, it keeps you upright. And I really liked that about it, you know? And so, and, you know, there's always a competitive part. I'm like, how many times can I hit this thing with my head without missing? You know, like it.
2: it Absolutely.
0: Becomes, yeah. It's like a little yeah. game and it's fun. It's like, becomes really fun. And it takes your mind off of how bad the workout is.
2: So there's I, I a would, lot of I would love to it. I would love for gyms to have a setup, whether they get ours or they you know, DIY make their own, but have that as a, as a a progression uh, for people to do like, you know, when when they're ready to start their double unders, let them do that for a couple of weeks in the workouts. Like that's your scale. We call them tempo bounds because if you put, if you put the ball high enough, you're bounding high enough to do a double under probably higher than you need to. Like we, we actually try and get people to bound higher than they need to with good form and technique, just because it allows them to slow the rope. Right to match their tempo um, and just slow things down in general. So, but you're you're doing all the work necessary, right? And then with those little tempo trainers, those little maracas, the key there is to just we want people to we kind of separate out the skills. So we want people to touch the ball, then shake, right? And the idea is get in the air first, then worry about turning the rope, right? So if you if you practice that, you're gonna start developing some good coordination and timing, but you're gonna do all of the physical work it takes to bound and get up in the air right so yeah, yeah it's, those it's, are fun it's absolutely perfect and
0: ben when he sends these to me dave's like well use them and take a video and send it to me and i'll give you coaching i'm like absolutely not i will not be videoing me bounding into the ball gag with these this uh pieces of rope not gonna happen i gotta
1: i gotta try i gotta see this kit when i come uh, come visit san diego next month it is
0: cool it is very cool and if you you know if you are not comfortable with double unders or if you feel like you have work to do, or, you know, honestly, like, even if you're good at double unders, but you want to be really good at them. I'm a big fan of these things. Big fan. And truthfully, if you have a basement gem, I'm a monster fan of them where you can't actually do double unders. Like it's a great scale. If you want to work out in your basement and simulate double unders, but you can't get a rope over your head. It's
2: fantastic. Like really, did did we send the, were the jump cuffs in there too? Yeah. looks like, looks like handcuffs with a bungee in the middle. I told you they're handcuffs, Ben. Hey, dude, you I? have
1: all kinds of stuff in that
0: I kit. told you. No wonder a, he was excited It's a kinky
2: little set. I like it. Uh, it's good that, stuff. I tell you what, that, though, <laughs> we call them jump cuffs, and um, it's awesome to put people in those because they, you know, you're, you got your wide-arm jumpers, and Ben, you know this from all the teaching you do, man. When people, when, you know, for us, it's like feel, like feel the rope with your fingertips, right? You want to feel that tension, and people that, jump with wide arms typically locked out elbows they actually feel the rope in their shoulders that's how they that's how they know where the rope is spinning as best they can is through the shoulders and so to get them to eliminate their shoulders out of the equation and get them to just like relax and just get these whippy little you know elbow to wrist flicks like you we always say it's like throwing a dart it's this little subtle snap and, and feel the rope in their fingertips So those jump cuffs, they force people in, you know, narrow so that they have to bend their elbows, point them backwards and Mm -hmm. keep that. uh, If you use them, John, I don't know if you're a wide jumper, but you're supposed to keep that elastic in contact with your body across your hips. Right. And then, yeah. And then and then, you know, single under, double under, whichever you can do. Um, But it's, it's it's awesome because it shows people, it teaches them like, oh, wow, I actually can jump. With my arms narrower closer to my body yeah. you know
1: and we, yeah. we we just use a band like a jump stretch band that we double up and like basically pin their elbows to their body you know right them uh but that sounds like that's a much much more creative tool and it's, it's uh, yeah like john said it sounds like a kinky little set um but, but i love it's like it's so cool because like all of these random like coaching tidbits that i try to teach in the progressions that i teach in my seminars so you guys have a tool to kind of like work on each skill, which I love. And that's brilliant. I love it. I think it's really well, we, cool. we need to
2: send, we need to send you one so you can use, use them, uh, use them in your workshops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be awesome. I mean, especially when it's, it's so hard to teach people like how to jump higher. Cause a lot of times they just move their feet higher when there's a rope in their hands. And it's like, no, we actually want, I want your whole body to go up higher, but uh, yeah. Awesome. I'll have to check it out and play around with it.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Well,
0: we're up against our time, but this has been super fun Dave. And, uh, I think you've helped a lot of people tonight. Cause we had a lot of questions about dubs and, uh, it's been helpful. So before we, uh, cash out here, where can people find you on the web? So what should they be looking for when they're trying to find your products?
2: Well, on, yeah, on the web, um, uh, rxmarkier.com is the website, uh, with all the products. Um, Instagram is rxmarkier at rxmarkier, uh, Instagram and Facebook. And, um, um my instagram is rxsgceo and that's kind of my probably like business uh personal business account where i may talk about products or fitness or coaching or whatever but uh that i leave family stuff out of that one this one's more uh more fitness related so
0: well if i if i can just brag about your company a little before we kind of end here. Uh the one thing I've always loved about your company, Dave, is not only do you guys create really inventive products that are really helpful for day to day, but you guys give a lot back to the community too. You're like you're always involved in charitable giving and and fundraisers and helping others. And you know, that's something that's you know really meaningful to Ben and I, you know, just they kind of at our our personal level. And so we just really appreciate what you guys do for the community outside of the fitness side of it. It's just really helpful it means a lot. So thanks for what you do. For
2: sure i oh, appreciate that guys yeah no appreciate that very much all right
0: well ben great seeing you again glad you finally got home to your yeah. uh, you now you can go you're you going out and hugging your tesla every night now that you have full range of full range of the city
1: it's really nice not to have a small a small go-kart anymore I don't know, <laughs> yeah it's nice but i gotta admit elon elon did it right
0: all right, good. Well, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm glad you guys have been reunited and uh you're back home. And uh for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining us tonight. We'll be back next Tuesday and we will uh chat with you guys soon.